Welcome once again, Bears fans, to another episode of Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're here to watch... Did we really have to watch that game? <laughs> oh, of course we did. It's Bears-Packers. It was It was another another cry two tears in a bucket. And I would say so you don't have to, but let's be honest, we all watched it. We all did. We uh, all did. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about you. Well, I guess before getting into it, follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore scat. Uh, yeah, I don't know about you, but to me, it kind of felt like the, it, it kind of felt like the unofficial end of the season last week. Yeah. It, it was kind of the last game that we, we know the bears are out of it, but it, it was kind of the last game that you could really kind of pretend matters because they're playing the Packers right. and Fields played and Rogers played and it was a fun, you know, week leading up to the game because of the quarterback matchups and because it's always fun when, the Bears play the Packers, but now that it's over and we're on to the bye and the four games after the bye are pretty brutal and the Bears are 3-10, and ten, it's just kind of like, all right, the rest of these are kind of going to go in the garbage can and right. we'll watch them. Bears are probably going to lose all four of them. Probably. And then we get on to the fun, which is the off season. But yeah, I don't know what there really is to say about the game other than Justin Fields is great. The rest of the team is terrible, and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers still owns us. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, it would have been awesome to uh, uh, kick twelve right in the nads, but um, you know, uh, we know watching that game who was the better quarterback uh, that day, yeah. and, and to me, it's not close. Um, you know, twelve's days are. I, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him because, you know, there was a lot of talk about, is this his last game at Soldier, as a Packer? And I actually think yes. It could be. Um, I don't know what they'll do with him, though, because he is supposed to get this extravagant amount of money next year. I think it's supposed to be $60 million. I think it's a little less. It's a lot of money to walk away from. It, I don't care how much money you've made. Yeah, it's a huge, huge amount of money. And, and I'm pretty sure it's all guaranteed, right? Yeah, the rest of his deal, the, all of his deal when he signed it was guaranteed. And the thing is, is that what team... You know, if he's going to get traded to a team, the team has to be a team that is ready to go to the Super Bowl, but they need that extra piece. Now, one team that I thought of a week ago was the Jets. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because the Jets are showing that they've got a real squad. Great, right? de- great defense. Great defense. Look at some of the pieces they have on offense, too, though. Uh, so... But what their big their big but <laughs> is um, you know Mike White okay he's looked good against he looked good against the Bears <laughs> you would look good against the Bears looked good but, against the Vikings the Vikings defense sucks he yeah he he looked pretty good against the Vikings but that's two games you know I mean there's a lot of every NFL quarterback is an NFL quarterback because they can look good in a half game or a game or two games, right? Or four games. But, you know, to do that for 17 is a completely different thing. And you got to give it up for 12's durability. Holy smokes, right? I mean, he's started a lot of games. And if he goes to a team like that, that's already built, um, where he just has to step in. I mean, think about their receiving squad, you know? Uh, you know, Garrett Smith is showing out, right? And he's only a rookie and he's, he's playing like already, like he's one of the top in the league. So, you know, I I don't know. I'm just, can they even trade him? I, you know, I don't know. Um, I I don't, the the thing is, is the money. Well, and like, I don't know, he might have a no trade clause. I don't know. Uh, you know, he doesn't seem like he would. I mean, that's, you know, stabbing in the dark, but it just seems to me like he would have, he he wouldn't put that in there. When he signed that deal, did he really think he was going to play for them for three seasons? It doesn't really seem like he wants to play there anymore. It doesn't seem like it to me. It doesn't seem like he's wanted to play there for a couple years. No. He, He obviously signed the big extension because if someone offers you $200 million, you're going to take it, but... 
it hasn't really felt like he's meshed well with LaFleur. It Not at all. Watching him this year, he looks miserable. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's a mystery with him. Um, he's obviously a, a weird guy, and I think that's <laughs> played itself out over the last three years. And whatever you think of Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he is remarkably successful, but this has been his worst year in a long time. And you He's a putz. <laughs> and you don't, you don't know if that's because he lost his buddy, or you don't know if it's because his skills are declining, or a combination of all of these things. But I, I certainly wouldn't be sad to see him go, I'll tell you that. He makes me think of that uh, that photo that's floating around on the web that shows the house that's got tons and tons of Christmas decorations all over it. And then the house next to it, spelled out in Christmas lights, it says, twat. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, anyway, uh, enough about 12. But uh, it will be interesting to see what happens because uh, I, I, I just... I felt like it was it was adios muchacho uh, after that game. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, if he's gone, then good riddance. Yeah. Um, one thing I do want to shout out uh, is I read that um, Justin Fields with that uh, with that amazing run uh, became the first NFL quarterback to have three fifty plus yard rushing touchdowns ever. That's the way I read it, um, and he did it in five games, I think. Yeah. Uh, every run that he has, the, these long runs, they're just watching the replays of them. It has that same juice of Devin Hester, yeah. Because just to watch him accelerate past everybody is this amazing. It's like he has turbo. <laughs> that, that's what I thought when I was watching the replay of the game. I like rewound the stream I had up like two or three times because I was like is this broken it looks like the defenders are running in slow motion <laughs> like and that's what it looked like and I, I was does. like is there like an issue on nfl.com or whatever but he's just that fast and that elusive and the amazing thing on that run was that he made the free rusher miss I mean broke the guy's ankles and then he was just <laughs> gone and it's just like a car driving down the middle of the freeway it's Amazing to watch, and yeah, that stat that you just gave out is amazing. It's just amazing what he's done this year, and even though I think his rushing gets most of the most of the attention, he made some great throws in that game too. That, right, like the next drive after that long run, he is when he threw that fifty-yard pass to St. Brown, mm -hmm. where he had a guy right in his face, and he just through that dime to St. Brown, you know, you, and the, they said in the broadcast, you couldn't have walked down there and handed it to him any better. Right. So right. he's immensely talented. Uh, I think there's a the lot. big time uh, throw to Harry too. Yeah. The throw to Harry was great. I was watching some uh, breakdowns of his film with uh, some commentators that were commenting on how much better he's gotten at uh, reading his progressions and getting the ball out on time to the correct receiver. It, it's just, been a joy to watch this year and that's saying something on a team that's three and ten really is uh it, it makes you excited for the future I, I was happy that he he played in general and um it's not like they were really protecting him with that shoulder injury i mean they were running qb sneaks they were running designed runs he scrambled a couple times and wasn't going down obnoxiously early or going out of bounds so it seemed like he was relatively at full strength, and he, he played like he was at full strength. It was a really good day statistically for him. I think it actually might have been his best statistical day as a pro. Yeah, I, I don't know whether um, it is in every statistic, but um, uh, in passing yardage it was. And QB rating and all that. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a really good to great performance. Um, it, it's another... Uh, feather in his hat in the guys I'm trying to show you that I'm improving. Yeah. Guys I'm trying to show you that I am a number one. Guys I'm trying to show you that I am one of the elite quarterbacks in the league. And I think that Bears fans maybe have some subconscious resistance to that <laughs> because we all want to think that it's the 
the floor is going to fall out anytime. And, and just because it is kind of a, a paradox when you say you've got the quarterback having this great of a year on a team that is this bad. <laughs> but I mean, it might just be that the supporting cast is that bad. I, I heard that the, there's been eight games this year where the Bears have gotten the ball in the fourth quarter with a chance to t- either tie or take the lead. And I think they've won zero of those games. Yes. But, I mean, think about what we're talking about. We're talking about the Mooney drop on the goal line. We're talking about the Amir Smith-Marset fumble. Yep. We're talking about the blown P.I. call on Claypool. I'm not going to run through all the games. But the point being, they've been in a lot of close games, and that's primarily because of the quarterback. And a lot of these uh, last-minute drives that have come up short, I don't put on the quarterback. I mean, he threw the interception this time. And, like, everybody and their brother immediately is like, that's on the receiver. Yeah. They said it on the broadcast. Field said it. Eberflew said it. So that doesn't speak too highly of uh, what they're thinking about Equinemia St. Brown. But yeah. when you look at the route, it, it was terrible. It was, like, it, it was it was the equivalent of when you're ice skating and instead of, you know, turning your ankles to stop, it's like when you do the big circle and come back. Yeah. It, it was just the slowest route I've ever seen in Field's. I'd love to know what what quarterbacks think about that because, yes, the receiver ran the bad route, but in that situation, like, you need to anticipate that Equinemia St. Brown sucks and just don't throw him the ball. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's like, who else are you going to throw it to, though? Because right. all the receivers are, are bad. So, Well, and, you know, um, uh, Jer Alexander, I guess, was talking, you know, I saw he was talking quite a bit of junk uh, yeah. ab- uh, about, uh, about, Equinemius and um, I think a little bit about uh, Fields too, but not. I mean, it was mostly directed at at St. Brown. Now, you know that, that's the thing is that lack of personnel is something that we've talked about the about the whole year, and it will be that way until we're done with the year. Um, this is actually a good a, a good a good thing because so somebody uh, so uh, Evan Barrett who. Uh, who used to go to the go to Allery's? Um, he posted recently on the Allery's Bears Den fan page. That's on uh, that's on Facebook. If you ever want to hit that up, yeah, hit it up. Um, but uh, he posted on there that he felt like the play calling in this game. I'm paraphrasing was similar to Matt Nagy, <laughs> and I gotta say, um, I, I have issue with that yeah. uh, because. Uh, number one, it's like the exact opposite. Exactly, Nagy. Nagy was the worst he's ever been after being with the team for three years. He actually got worse every year. Yeah. Not to mention that the entire team's attitude last year was awful. There was nothing fun about last year's game. Last year's games, and we and we won twice as many. but there was no hope about anything i felt the only thing i felt about last year when i look back at it is i feel sorry that number one had to deal with that at all i agree i wish his i wish his his transition from college to pro had started this year uh for sure i I feel like there there was really nothing positive out of uh the development last year and yeah, I mean, Matt Nagy's MO was, we're going to throw it a million times, we're never going to utilize the run game, and also we're going to call a bunch of trick plays that don't work. Like, the criticism this week is that when the Bears got down into Packers territory that they were running too much. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was bad play calling at times in this game, as was Matt Nagy pretty much all the time. <laughs> they were they were bad in different ways. <laughs> so Yeah, Nagy and his, yeah, we ran the ball eight times. Yeah, well, Matt. <laughs> in the quarter? No, in the game. Yeah, by the way, two of them were at the end of the half when you were just trying to get into the locker room. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's really any comparison uh other than the fact that at times i think the play calling under getsy has been bad but you know and you, there has been you, you nobody's getting no we're not nobody's excusing uh getsy right he is learning but to to compare him to to compare the team in any way to Nagy, i think is a gross exaggeration yeah no i mean the the getsy stuff 
is at times they they get the ball in the red zone or in, in plus territory and they are too reliant on Montgomery where they should just give Fields a chance to make a play. But the reason that they're feeding Montgomery is because the run game has been insanely productive. They're one of the best football teams in the league on the ground. So you get where he's coming from. They are the best. Okay, so so you get where he's coming from. But at the same time, when you've got a star quarterback like Fields, who's clearly the best athlete on the field, I, I would prefer to keep the ball in his hands and let him make the play as opposed to Montgomery. But I feel like when Getze's play calling has been criticized, I could at least see where he's coming from with Nagy. It was just always like, what are you even thinking here? Like, what right. whatever made you think that was going to work? <laughs> That's enough about Matt Nagy. I don't want to talk about exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, anyway, what that was uh, leading into is there's been a lot of buzz on the internet. Uh, no offense there, Evan. I was just, uh, you know, you, you, you put it out there, so we had the answer. But um, I, so we, were, we wanted to talk about... Uh, the Bears and tanking deliberately because that seems to have been a big uh, a big theme of the last three four weeks and I wanted to put out there that number one I will never buy that the players themselves look at this and say yeah let's try and lose. Comet no. um, came out and talked about that just this week. Uh, saying, talking about how frustrating it is that they're not win, that they're not closing out the games, that they're, um, you know, they're, they're, they realize that you know that the team uh, ha- needs needs more personnel, but they're not thinking about that each game. They're thinking about how they can win, and uh, and I'll never buy anything but that. And then that the coaching staff is got some kind of idea like you know we can just you know coast wrong. Bluse doesn't seem that way any shape, any way, shape, or form to me. He seems like a very driven person and that he cares about his players a lot and he cares about excellence. And he knows that he's got one shot. He's got one shot. He's not going to get a second job after this. No. Because he's a defensive coach. He's a defensive coach, which is a big strike right now in the NFL. Probably will be for quite a while. Most people didn't want him hired to begin with. Right. No, and the players, I mean, look at this roster. You got guys that are trying to stay in the NFL. Yeah. Like, you go and go and talk to this roster about draft position next year. Half these guys aren't even going to be on the team next year. <laughs> they're, they're trying to put tape out there that is either going to get them invited back to Bears camp or get them invited to some other camp. Right. But I think when you talk about deliberate... Komet actually talked about that. Sure. I mean, Komet's playing for a contract. Like, there's not a lot of players on this roster that have uh, promised NFL futures. Most of them probably aren't really even equipped to be out there on Sunday to begin with. When yeah. You, when you look at some of the players that were out there on Sunday. Biggs um, said that he thinks about 30 players from this team will be on next year's team. I think that's high. I, I I don't think it's far off like, uh, personally because um there's a lot of there's a lot of young talent there and what we're trying to see is whether they're talent that's going to plateau right where they are or whether they're going to improve yeah or whether you can have guys that can maybe be like capable backups like sure they had a bunch of no names out in the secondary this week and I actually didn't think they played that bad uh, I thought the secondary did pretty well considering the talent level so. Are any of those players going to be in your starting lineup week one next year? Hopefully not. But are there guys that can be special teamers that can maybe fill in in a pinch? I mean, that's what you're evaluating right now, and I know that's not exciting. But when you've got a team like this, you got to evaluate something with these games. And Depth that's, is that's important. What you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, hey, can maybe we squeak by with one of these guys on the back end of our roster, or do we need to go out and spend free agent dollars at that position? So. That's what they're all evaluating. Um, obviously, they're the ones breaking down the tape. But when you talk about tanking, yeah, no, no one's ever gonna. No, no, nobody should think that the players or the coaches aren't trying their best to win every week. Now, the front office, di- different story. The front right. off, the front office isn't coming down and saying, "Hey, you have to blow this game." But what Ryan Poles did is he put together a roster that isn't capable of getting through an NFL season. I mean, he, he didn't spend any money on this thing. He didn't uh, have a first-round draft pick next year. He 
traded down a lot of his picks. So he put together a roster that is probably the, the least talented roster in the NFL disregarding quarterback. And what happens with that is exactly what we've seen. It's a team that maybe can be in some games, especially when you have a quarterback that can keep you in it. But when push comes to shove and when you're in those last 10 minutes, usually the, the more talented team is going to find a way to win those toss-up right. games. And, and we've seen that time and time again, and that's why you're 3-10. and 10. Yeah. And, you know, also um, uh, right in uh, line with that, uh, you know, um, 12 commented after the game, uh, they brought up to him that he wasn't even touched. Not even once. Zero. zero they, they hit him one time, and it was uh, called off because of a penalty. Oh. <laughs> so. But. Uh, I, I can't remember who, who it was that got to him. But, yeah, that was. They, they hit the quarterback once, and it didn't even count. And that, and that's, you know, that's a problem that has existed um, this whole season. Uh, and, no, Robert Quinn hasn't done Jack. Jack Doolittle. He's on, he's on IR. <laughs> and now he's on IR, right. So, uh, and he's even on a good squad where he doesn't even have to be the man. All he has to do is be a rotational player and he hasn't done anything. So, it's just because, you know, the, the team, Poles is trying to set up everything for the future. What I want is I want what the Packers have had for the last 30 years. I want some longevity. You know... This was this came up uh, this week. I was reading a conversation about the Rams, and uh, that was on the um, uh, that was on the feed for the Guillotine League. Oh sure, and uh, yeah, plugged there for Charchi and Guillotine League. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, they were talking about the Rams and how the Rams for you know uh, uh, schemed their team to take it from a place where they had done some building. Uh, but now they needed to put everything all together, all in last year, so that they go win the Super Bowl, and they did. Yeah. And now they're suffering a little bit from it because they have a lot of they have some old guys that you know clearly don't have it anymore. Uh, they're in salary cap hell, uh, and you know they're you know what's going to happen with the future? Well, you know, to one extreme, Matt was talking about you know that. Well, you know, they're, they're toast for the next five years or ten years, and it's like, yeah, I don't go there. But they're probably they're, they're probably going to be in some rough shape, not only this year, but I would see next year, they're, too. They're going to have to rebuild. For they're sure. going to have to do some rebuild. But there's also some talent there. Let's not forget that. There is some good young talent there. Um, Cooper Cup is, what, I, I don't know, 25? Yeah. Uh, he, he's not an old guy. Right, so there, there's there's some there's some youth there that is they're still going to be able to build off of, and the simple fact of the matter is is a lot of people that were participating in the conversation were simply saying, you know what, I I endure a lot for my team to get to the Super Bowl and win it for sure, especially when it's a team like the Rams that had been getting to the playoffs and getting knocked out, or in one case even getting to the Super Bowl, but that's what you're trying to build. You you want to build that team that is going to be consistently competitive year over year, and then when you've got your shot at a ring, you take it. Yeah. Now, the Rams took it a bit to the extreme because they didn't have a quarterback, <laughs> and so they, they basically went all in. They knew Stafford probably only had a couple good years left. Turned out he may have only had one good year left. <laughs> and they basically said, all right, we need to go all in now. That's why they mortgaged their future to get Odell Beckham and... Uh, Von Miller. Von Miller, thank you. So they they saw their opportunity and they, they took it. The The more st- sustainable route is what you see with the Chiefs. or uh, Yeah, presume, who, who built that team? Yeah, well, but... <laughs> or is at least heavily involved? But these teams that are in it year after year after year for a decade, like, what do they all have? They all have the quarterback. Yeah, so, they all have the quarterback. And, and that's the thing with the Bears is... They got the quarterback, and they got him through the draft. So they've got him for his career if, if they want him. So that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about. But it's just like, if you've got the quarterback right now, and you've got all these resources going forward, it's just like, don't screw it up. Right. right? Like there, There's a million reasons why it can go wrong that are completely out of the Bears' control when you talk about injuries or you talk about maybe players get re- maybe they retire maybe they they don't pan out for whatever reason but it's just like don't 
do stupid things in the draft or with your free agent dollars that waste this opportunity because you don't get this opportunity. There's a reason why every year teams trade up to try to get a quarterback and they trade significant resources. It's because there's so few of them. Like there's so few quarterbacks in the league that you feel good about year after year after year. It's like, if you've got one, you've got to capitalize on that. And uh, that's kind of what, why I I was kind of saying that like this, that last game against the Packers was kind of the unofficial end of the season for me, because now it's like Ryan Poles is, is on the clock. Basically he is. It's like, how are you going to spend your money? How are you going to spend these draft picks? How are you going to keep your resources built up going forward so that you're not selling all out for one year? Like, man, don't don't do what Ryan Pace did in 2018, which was <laughs> trade, which was you know trade trade a bunch of future resources so that you could get to the playoffs once and get bounced in the first round, or I guess twice. I always forget that about them making it and losing to New Orleans, yeah, but. That- was a joke barely counted so like that's gonna be a lot of fun to watch and you just hope that they do everything in their power to get it right like don't draft hurt players don't draft players from colleges that nobody's ever heard of don't give a bunch of money to free agents that have had like six good games (laughs) just don't don't like there's so many ways that it can go wrong in the nfl don't commit avoidable mistakes and we're gonna see what happens and you know um uh, number one those were all really good points um because i think i truly feel that polls is has been clear about what his plan is pretty much what you just said and he is executing it um you know none of has none of us like losing and the players certainly don't like it. But Poles was clear. To rebuild this team, I have to completely take it apart and put it back together. He was clear that he doesn't want to do this as a one-hit wonder. He wants sustainability. He wants to own the NFC North. That was literally his words, right? And you bring up the, you bring up the Chiefs. 13 years he was there. There's no way that that organization isn't isn't some of his work. Right. Now, we of course, we don't know exactly how much, but you got to say when uh, somebody spends that much time on something, you, you, it just as a, pers- a person working at a regular job, you'd hope that you could come away and say, yeah, I made a significant difference while I was there. I learned some good lessons. <laughs> well, yeah, and like, come on. Uh, I know, well... I shouldn't even say this because the Bears have hired like incompetent people in the past. But like in, in most cases, like the NFL is such a close knit group. Teams know who's contributing and who's not. Yeah. Like you're not going to know the full story ever, but like the Bears, there's a bunch of guys in the Chiefs organization that used to work for the Bears. You don't think they're still talking to people that work for the Bears? They're like, hey, like this guy, you don't, you don't want him. Right. This, this guy, yeah, he knows. Like these organizations all know each other to a degree. There's no great secrets when you're dealing with a league that has this few teams and where everybody switches jobs every two years, right? So, right. I don't know. I mean, we're going to see. It's going to be Ryan Pohl's show. It's funny. There's so much talk about the fact that, you know, Ryan Pohl's first draft class, I think, is, you know, very incomplete. Looks like some good, some bad so far. The free agent class, I think, for the most part, not great, but... Man, people are like saying, "Wow, we got to start asking questions about can this guy evaluate talent?" It's like, you know why the free agents don't look good? It's because they were all signed on one-year bargain basement contracts. Right. Like again, along the similar lines to the point I just made. You know who isn't signing on to to a better and minimum contract with a team that's probably going to win three games? Good players. Like, <laughs> play, play, players that had options weren't signing here. Right. Because the Bears weren't spending money and the Bears weren't for many For many years. Well, I'm just talking about last year. Yeah. Like, the Bears weren't spending money and they weren't projected to be good. So if you had a choice to play here or to play somewhere else, why would you choose to play here? So have the free agents that the Bears signed worked out great? No, not really. But the Bears also didn't take any big swings in free agency. The players that they signed this past year, 
if they're all bad, it doesn't really set you back. It doesn't what, at what, all. What sets you back is when you spend a ton of money on a player and he comes in and he can't play. Yeah. The Bears have certainly done that. So, you know, <laughs> has, a lot. has Ryan Poles had, like, a great hit <clears throat> so far? No. But he also hasn't really taken any big swings either. So right. I think you got to give the guy a chance because there's really no other option. We don't get to pick and choose who the general manager is, and the Bears identified him as the GM, and he's going to get a shot. So, yeah. like I said, don't don't waste it. Well, and so one of the things that um, I, I was thinking about today with this is, so there's been a couple other times we thought we had our quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jay Cutler immediately comes to mind. So what happened? We had we had Jay Cutler, and they thought, oh, okay, now we have uh, we have our guy at quarterback. Now we need to get a defensive end, right? You see, he was at the game, by the way. No, on, on Sunday. No, <laughs> he was there. Oh, yeah, Cutler was there. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I did see that. I was like, why would you bring Jay Cutler to a Packers game? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, the quarterback that. Well, he is a fan. He's been a fan his whole life. I know, but it's just like. The quarterback that probably the Packers fans love to rip on the Bears for the most. Yeah. You know you know what? One thing, uh, a side note. I always thought about Cutler when we were playing against the Bears and he was he was playing, uh, you know, playing against them, that it must have been acid in his mouth when he lose to them. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I hate them so much and I'm just a fan. I can't imagine how bad it was. Well, and all, like... All, they would always go out and take shots at him after the game. Like, oh, yeah. Like, who was who was it where he was just like, yeah, we were just going to sit back and we know Jay's going to throw us the ball. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think it might have been Woodson. I, I think it was Woodson. But it's just like there was always stuff like that, and you know that he was just catching hell on the field from the players and the fans. And Yeah. Yeah, as much as Jay Cutler gave off the image that he didn't really care, <laughs> you, you know that that couldn't have been fun. No, uh, but um, I have no question that that guy cared about winning. I, I have no question about that. I have no question about his toughness either. Right. But as far as what the fans thought, yeah, I don't think he gave a shit. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, you know, so anyway, um, so they went out and got Peppers, right? You know, okay, we got our we got our quarterback. Now we need to get our other, our other quarterback. And while, you know, a linebacker could be considered the guy that's running, the, you know, the defense, the – Kind of the quarter, at least in my opinion, the quarterback on the defensive side is your primo pass rusher, and uh, that's what we're going to need in the future. Uh, the last time, also uh, with Trubisky, right? So we had Trubisky. Okay, so we got our quarterback. So now let's go spend big on a defensive end. So you know that's what we did. We went and got Mac. Well, both of those did not turn out very well no. uh, because. We didn't actually have the guy. Right. With Cutler, I still believe there was a misuse of resource uh, resources in getting him the best offensive line that we could. Uh, if you know people can argue what they want about it, I'll never be convinced of it. I still think that that line was never that good. But uh, that being what it is, right now, now what we got to do is we're going to have to. One, make sure that we we protect our guy. What I and I don't think this whole thing about oh that he's running we can't sustain that he's going to get hurt. I think that's BS. Right. Um, we need to have a good offensive line so that they can pass block, so that he has a few minutes in the a few seconds in the pocket rather than immediately running and then trying to find somebody on the run. Right. We need that. We need that over and over again. That sustainability. That that on repeat. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And the point with Cutler is a good one. I mean, the Bears never invested in the offense at all until Trestman got here. Yeah. And then for one year, they had a great offense. Uh, they had a horrible I, defense. Actually, I think it's the number two offense in Bears history. I would have guessed number one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean, so they had one year with a great offense. I think they had the worst defense in the NFL that year, which is why they didn't make the playoffs. And then everything went to hell Tressman's second year, and the franchise has really never recovered from that. Uh, but, yeah, that's kind of the point, right? It's like, yeah, the offense is, is doing pretty well right now all things considered when you look at the talent but 
man, if, if they invest smartly in the offensive line and in pass catchers, then this offense could be pretty elite next year. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that it's a lot to ask to build basically an entire football team in one offseason. But if you get your offense to that level and you start to plug some of the holes on this defense so that instead of being like 32nd, they're like 20th. Yeah. And that could be a pretty, you know, good football team. It's probably not going to win a Super Bowl, but you're, you're starting to build towards that. Right. And it, if you have a top five offense, that means you're probably going to be in the playoffs at least. And that's valuable experience and it's getting the fan base excited and you build it from there. So that's why, like I said, I mean, it, it kind of starts now for me with, with polls. Obviously, they're not going to be able to do much over the next four weeks. But as soon as that final whistle blows against the Vikings in week 18, I mean, from, from that point on, it's, man, every eye is going to be on the general manager, and, and we're going to see what he does. I think that polls is more than ready for that. To me, Paul strikes me as the kind of guy that the offseason started in week two. I'm sure he's had a plan. Yeah, I mean, he he just strikes me as, um, a, as a forward thinker. Um, because the, when you look at what he did in the draft, right? Well, I mean, you could look at it if you wanted to be a half-empty guy and say, well, he just went and drafted a whole bunch of, you know, kind of middle college guys that... They're all a bunch of fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. They're never going to amount to anything. Well, we've already seen that that's wrong. Yeah. I, I mean, um, a, a good addition to the team, our seventh round pick, Gill, right? Yeah, there we go. Okay, yeah, so he's just a punter. Well, you know what? Um, we needed a punter because we decided not to pay our former punter $7 million to stay in Chicago anymore, right? So instead, now we have a fresh new guy who is doing, actually he's doing very well uh, against the rest of the NFL. And he's had to punt a lot. Yeah, <laughs> so. well, yeah and I mean, you know, it, it, it certainly seems like Brisker is going to be a really good player. That that wasn't like, like that, that's not like that was like a big reach. Like everybody knew he was going to be good, but you know. Bears had to pick him still. It looks like he's going to be good. Right. The rest of the draft, I think, is largely incomplete. Every other NFL team could have taken him. Sure. And and people are like, well, uh, Gordon looks bad or, or uh, right. Ebner looks bad. It's like, first of all. Or Valus Jones. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's like not almost almost no drafts are perfect. Like, right. You're always going to draft a guy every year that probably isn't going to be very good. And if you use Ebner as, a, as an example, like, does he look good? No, he looks pretty bad. He mm-hmm. might not be able to play. But it's a sixth-round running back. Like, yeah. in, <clears throat> in the sixth round is where you take guys with upside. Yeah. And sometimes that upside just doesn't pan out for whatever reason. And, or you take special teams guys. And he might still be that. He might still be a special teams contributor. We, we don't know. But, number one, it takes more than uh, 13 games for these guys to – define what they're going to be as NFL players. And number two, missing on one draft pick is, is not the sign that you're a bad talent evaluator. It's just that when you get late in the draft, you're kind of throwing darts. And sometimes, no matter how well you evaluated the player, the skills set just doesn't translate. And if somebody could predict that, then that's a, a billion-dollar industry, right? Like, <laughs> right. If, you had, if you had some formula that you were certain – was going to produce successful NFL players no matter where you picked them in the draft. You'd be gold. Yeah, you would have to work for one year and you would be sitting on a yacht for the rest of your life. Right. It's just really hard. So, you know, I I think that so far there's been a lot of criticisms of the general manager. I think you just got to be a little bit more patient. Yeah, I think if you bat, um, you know, uh, let's say... (laughs) 30 you know 389 right yeah uh, uh, on your on your draft picks you're probably actually doing pretty good i think so you know um so i feel i look at this draft right now and i think it was a pretty good draft um i i think that we uncovered uh some players that um weren't uh weren't necessarily picked to be anything um you know braxton jones Yes, he as he needed help. Yes, as he struggled some. Yes, but 
he he's he's the only lineman that's played every single snap. And he's like graded out pretty well. For the he most actually part. has. You know, I mean, um, it'd be one thing if we saw him getting beat every single game. You know, it. But you don't see that, right? And um, so it, it's just an example of a good start, right? It, it and I think after the come this off season. I think we'll, we'll, we'll see more of that. One of the things I did want to touch on is I saw, uh, we're talking about the offense. I saw a chart today uh, on Twitter that said, um, it listed the big play. It was a big play chart. How many big plays has each team had in the NFL uh, up to this point? And it was defined as how many plus 10-yard rushes and how many plus 20-yard receptions. And the Bears, uh, those numbers combined, were number one. 99 big plays. Could have won some bets on that at the start of the year. Yeah. Now, this, this was based on 13 games. There was quite a few teams on there that have only played 12. Uh, the number two team was the Eagles uh, with 97, but they've only played 12 games. So they would be over Chicago. Uh, but still, just to be in the up there amongst some really great teams is big. Um, they uh, had 68 plus 10 yard rushes and 31 20 plus yard receptions, uh, which is which is pretty darn good by any scale. Uh, adversely, the team with only with 13 games they had the least was the Colts. They had 66 big plays total. Believe that. Just watching that. I know, right? It, but I mean, that's to me that says a lot about the Bears' offense. When you know, there's so many things that have happened with the offense this year that have never happened. Like literally, they have never occurred. Yeah, exactly. And the big trend in the NFL is explosive plays. It is. You, you talk about the run. Why is that possible? It's because teams aren't able to stack the box because they know if they do that, Fields is going to kick out, is going to run a bootleg, and he's going to be 30 yards down the field before they even know what happened. So, so they have to spread out more. They have to basically treat the quarterback as a second runner, and that opens up the door for your running backs. So I think, I mean, the offense has exceeded expectations by pretty much any statistical or just observational method. Yeah. I, I never in a million years would have thought that this offense would, would look as – as smooth as it has, that it would be as fun to watch as it has. We, it's we, it's not perfect. It's bad sometimes. Sure, but I, I think that when you think about what we were saying back in training camp, it's been a very very nice surprise. We, we used to hope for get us eighteen points, <laughs> right? That wasn't that long ago. If we can get eighteen points, the defense can carry us to a win. Right. How many times have you heard that? Eight million. Yeah. Right. So you know and. While fans can sit back in their armchairs and criticize every single one of, uh, of, of his throws, of Fields' throws, if you don't think defensive coordinators are sitting and looking at that guy saying he's making deep completions to Equinemius St. Brown and Dante Pettis... And Nikhil Harry and not thinking that that guy has a good arm, you're smoking something. Yeah. and <laughs> Maybe you need to lay off a bit. And, and they're worried about what's going to happen next year when the Bears actually have a NFL receiving core. I mean, it, it's it, the, the personnel is just, it's so much lower than everybody else, yeah. you know? I mean, even... Even with when we were playing the Packers, you know, well, Christian Watson, yeah, we could have got him. They chose to go, you know, our 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 guy decided to go defense instead, you know, and I still don't think that that was a bad decision. But you know, with twelve thrown to him, Christian Watson is killing it, right? Well, he did, you know, he he had a big he had he had two big touchdowns, but one of them was running. I mean, I think that was his first rushing touchdown of a uh, of the season. Yeah, uh, I think so. Certain, uh, at least a long one, right? Well, it's not a, it, we're, it's not shocking that we're not good at run defense because we're not good at run defense. <laughs> yeah, they're, 
if you look at the the depth chart, there's no reason to think that the Bears would be able to stop teams. And actually, the fact that they only gave up 28 points uh, against the Packers is kind of a minor miracle. I, I really think so. You know, so it the the point is is that we're seeing this shift, and I think it it, it has some Bears fans a little off balance that we're we're seeing this. Um, huge surge in offense and this huge drop off in defense, and people are used to seeing it the other way around. And Matt actually uh, has talked about this quite, for quite a while, and you've brought it up too. You know that goes. It harkens back to the days of the '80s, right? When we had these monster defenses and the offenses. Well, all you have to do is get us 18 points, and we'll win the game for you, right? Um, but it, 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 and that happened again in the early 2000s, right? Uh, up to the 2006 team that took us to the Super Bowl. Those defenses were monster defenses, yeah. right? But we're not that anymore. And we need to catch up and change that. And this kid has become the key. Exactly. And, yeah, I, I just, you know, we, we've talked about it several times. Uh, you're not going to win the Super Bowl with the 85 Bears mantra anymore no as, as much fun as it is to have a badass defense and watch them just knocking people's heads off you can still have that honestly there's plenty of good defenses in the league but, and a lot of them their teams are at the top but you need you need a you need a good offense too and the 85 bears had a good offense yeah people forget that people think that it was like the trent Dilfer ravens it's like no, they, no 85 bears scored a lot of points yeah and they had an amazing defense so they also had an amazing offensive line yeah so um, I, I don't think that the Bears will build a team to have a top three defense because I what's that? You have Tankathon up? I do, but but I, I don't think the Bears will, will go that route because Ryan Poles is from the Chiefs and the Chiefs never have a great defense, but it's usually good enough. So yeah, it, it'll be just another thing to monitor. We're going to see how they allocate their resources. Okay, so, over to Tankathon. Yeah, let's do a tank update. So we started this last week. I kind of explained that. If the Bears lose out, which I think they probably will, probably. The, the worst that we can do is the third overall pick. And if some things go our way, we could get the second overall pick and maybe even the first. So figured we'd give an update on that. Obviously, the Bears did lose last week. And if you look at Tankathon, they're still sitting at number two overall. Uh, once that adjusts for the bye, they'll likely be at four. So... Let's just start with the number one overall pick. I think that dream's probably dead. Yeah. If, if you recall, uh, I said the Texans need to win two more games from here on out. They had a winnable game last week against the Browns, and they got blown out. They were hanging around for a little bit, so Hope was alive, but they ended up losing by 13. Their next three games, at Cowboys versus Chiefs at Titans. Uh, they're they're going to lose all three of those. The Texans are, are just absolutely brutal. Eden Prairie could beat them. Yeah, so we'll, we'll check in on them in a few weeks. But for now, I think we can pretty comfortably slot them in at number one overall. Uh, Georgia, I think, would crush them. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, the Texans might be the worst team I've ever seen. Yeah, they're just absolutely <laughs> I, I I don't say that lightly. I watched the John Fox Bears. I watched... Are they a, just an awful organization? They might be just an awful organization. Oh, they are. I mean, that's a story for another <laughs> uh, The other two teams that you really got to keep an eye on are the, the Broncos and the Rams. Those two teams are tied with the Bears... Uh, as far as draft position, and they would both own the tiebreaker over the Bears. So those are the teams that you, you need to win. So yeah. uh, last week, Denver, they lost to Baltimore. They actually almost won. They lost by a point, 10-9, to because Lamar Jackson got hurt. But a loss for them, nonetheless. This yeah. week, they play the Chiefs. That's going to be a loss. So we'll catch in on them next week. I think we can assume that they'll still be tied with the Bears after the bye. Uh, the Rams are the other team, and that's a little interesting. Uh, they play tonight, Thursday night football, against Vegas. I think it's a game that a lot of people think Vegas should win. But if you've ever watched the Raiders, or if you're familiar with Josh McDaniels, <laughs> th this, this is the exact type of game that that franchise would lose. It's a game that the Raiders absolutely have to have if they ha want any shot of making the playoffs. They're clearly more talented. The Rams are basically just playing out the string. They've got a ton of injuries. Stafford's out. Aaron Donald's out. Everything is pointing Vegas. But, like I said, 
This is the exact type of game that Vegas would lose. And if the Rams can find a way tonight, I mean, the Rams are still trying. We talked about this last week. The Rams have no incentive to tank because they traded the pick. They are still a Super Bowl champion. If you watched the game last week against Seattle, they gave Seattle a game. So we'll see what happens tonight. Everything is pointing Vegas. I think they're a touchdown favorite. But, hey, stranger things have happened. And if the Rams can find a way tonight... And by the way, I'm, I'm sure by the time anybody listens to this, this game will have already been played. But <laughs> let's go Rams. Let's let's get that tank win for the Bears. And then we all have to break out our Broncos jerseys and pom-poms for a couple, in a couple weeks <laughs> because the Broncos do play the Rams. So if the Rams win tonight, if the Broncos beat the Rams, that means if the Bears lose out, they're going to be picking second overall. And, hey, we can still dare to dream with the Texans, but that, that seems unlikely at this point. That's your deep dive right there. So that, that's my tank summary. If the Bears win another game, we'll, we'll refresh. But kind of operating under the assumption that the Bears will lose out. And uh, if they do that, then we just need the Rams and the Broncos to, to play their part here and, and get one more game. Yeah, the um, so I was I was reading. There are a bunch of teams, you know, that are right there, uh, right behind us. Um, so, you know, and this this team, we we have to admit as fans, this team could beat one of those teams. Mm-hmm. It does have the 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 ability to do that. It was like you were saying, we've lost so many games that were right there. We were right there at the end. Um, it's unlikely that they do, but it's certainly not I mean, yeah. impossible. You're telling me and, the Bears can't beat the Lions. I mean, come on. Yeah, and the um, well, the other one is the Vikings game because how many of their players, their their starters, will actually be playing in that game? They got if, if the Vikings rest their starters, like the Bears got to find a way to start Peterman. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so like, and and to, like and. I, I'm not like people are like ah, I'll take I'll take a little bit of a worse draft pick if we can beat the Packers right I'll use that as an example well it's a little bit more than that actually because the Bears would lose the tiebreaker against any team because the Bears have played the toughest schedule yes and that works against you here so for example like I said if you go on Tankathon right now let's assume that the Bears are picking third because that's the worst they can do if they end with three wins. If they win a fourth game, that drops them back to tenth. That's 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 <laughs> that's a huge, that's, huge drop. That's not insignificant. Now there's a lot that can still happen. There's a bunch of teams with four wins. Some of them will win again. So that that's not necessarily going to be that dramatic. But the Bears will be penalized significantly because they've played such a tough schedule, and a win will bump them back several spots. And especially when you talk about a draft like this where there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks picked in the top five, having a top five pick is insanely valuable when you don't need the quarterback. So right. just, just think about that. I guess I, I don't think it's very likely that the bears will beat either the bills or the Eagles. Uh, and then after that, I mean, there's the two divisional games, but, and, and the bears could easily win one or both of those, but it, it will set them back in the draft. Probably a fair bit. Cause there's a lot of teams that are bundled kind of at the bottom there. So, yeah, I guess, I mean, it's something to monitor going forward. Like I said, I mean, I think our only hope this week is if the Rams can win. Yeah. And I think it's possible. So Yeah, it's possible. If you want, if you wanted something to root for on Thursday night, even though you'll... Boy, they are really bad, though. They are. Um, okay, so uh, a couple of things I wanted to plug in there. Um, the Bears have lost six games straight. That has happened seven times in our history. I feel like... There's something really sad and pathetic about that. Well, and I feel like... Three of them have been like and all that. Like, didn't Nagy have two six-game losing streaks? Yeah, I think he did. Um, the longest is eight games, which came in 1978 and 2002. I I was like, wow, it's that recent? <laughs> That's only 20 years uh, I ago. Think if the Bears do lose out, I'm pretty sure that will be the worst season in franchise history. It will be. Yeah. It will be. Uh, so. Um, well, at least in the modern era. So uh, I don't know whether it's in franchise history because I think they've had, I think there's been teams that have only won one game, but it was Maybe one they, in thirteen. Yeah, one you in, know, one in ten or something. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, yeah, maybe it was one in ten. Uh, but um, anyway, so there's that. Uh, so we're gonna go over to. Uh, 
rankings. Let's do it. So, uh, starting off, in addition to our updated rankings, we checked in with NFL Nation reporters across the league and asked them to name a stat in which each team ranks number one. Some teams excel in rush defense and others shine in scoring, and some are number one in metrics they probably don't want to be the best in. That must be one of the Bears. So, uh, starting off, uh, the Eagles uh, are now in number one. They moved up from number two to number one. Number one in turnover margin. Yeah. Shouldn't be a shock. The Bears have been in that place before, and those Bears teams are great. That 2016 is a, per- is a perfect example. Yep. Uh, you know, that, that 2016 would have been different if it would have had Mike Brown and, and Tommy Harris in that Super Bowl game. But the Eagles are a best NFL best 13 plus in the turnover margin. Uh, it's a big reason that they're um, where they are. The defense is top in takeaways with 23. And, uh, you know, um, Jalen Hurts has had three interceptions against 20 touchdowns. Yeah, that'll do it. So, uh, Chiefs are the top of the AFC. Uh, they moved down from number one to number two, but we're number one in scoring. Yeah. All about the O, baby, and we've got the master of that uh, running our team now. Number one offensively with an average of 29 points per game. I don't think how, uh, you know, you could look at that and just not be wowed, you know. So um, so we drop down to the top of the NFC North. That's the Vikings, 10-2. Uh, and two. They moved up from number six to number five. Uh, they're one number one in wins by one possession. Yeah, I, I saw it. There was like this cool. There was this cool graphic that basically said like, what if every one possession game in the NFL had gone the opposite way? The Bears, I think, were like, I don't know. They were in the playoffs, and the Vikings were one in eleven. <laughs> That's right. Nine of the ten victories this season have been decided by one possession, eight points or fewer. In fact, they are the first team in NFL history to start a season 9 and 0 in with a 9 and 0 record in such games. So, we'll uh we'll have to see how that keeps rolling because boy, that's uh that's certainly teetering on the edge well, there. If you want to la- well, we'll get through it in a second, I guess. So, um we'll uh drop down and we have to go way way down. Uh all the way down to the Lions at 20. Um, they're five and seven and they went from 23 to 20, number one in red zone efficiency. Okay. I wouldn't have guessed that pretty much money on the goal line. Thanks to the spearhead of Jamal Williams and Deandre Swift, mostly Jamal Williams. If you guys didn't know it, Jamal Williams has 14 touchdowns. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's pretty darn good. Uh, the Lions are scoring touchdowns in the red zone at 74%. That's good, man. Yeah, uh, still not going to the playoffs. Um, number 21, the Packers, uh, they uh, fell from uh, 19 down to 21. They're number one in NFL all-time wins. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah just, all right. Just so, uh, they, they, you know, Domofsky, what a rube that guy is. Um, anyway, uh, so we're going all the way down to the Bears are now at 30. All right. Uh, went from 29 down to 30. We're number one in rushing yards by a quarterback. I think they're <laughs> number one in most of the rushing categories this year. What are the Texans number one in? <laughs> Justin Fields has 905 rushing yards in 12 games, thanks in part to an uptick of designed runs starting in Week 7. He's gone six straight games with with a rushing touchdown, tied for the longest streak by a quarterback since 1950, and is on pace to break the Bears franchise quarterback rushing record currently held by Bobby Douglas, 968 yards in 1972. His three rushing touchdowns of 50-plus yards are the most by any quarterback for his career in the Super Bowl era, with four games remaining piece, pace. Fields is on pace to rush for over 1,200 yards, which would be the most ever by a quarterback in a season. That's impressive. The Texans. So the bottom two teams are the Broncos. They're number one in red zone defense. Interesting. Defense is good. Uh, And uh, the 
other than the leading the leading the league in soul crushing one score losses, the Broncos also have had seven of those season, this season. Uh, they're the anti Vikings, I guess, and they lead the way in red zone defense as opponents have scored touchdowns on just thirty two percent of the trips inside the red zone. That's pretty outstanding. That bodes well for the future for them, um, and that's after change trading Bradley Chubb. Yep. Um, so, and then the Texans were number one in opposing quarterbacks, red zone completion percentage. <laughs> I had to dig deep for that one. The Texans defense is holding quarterbacks to a completion percentage of 40.4% in the red zone, which is the NFL best. It's part of the reason they allow touchdowns on only 51% of the opposing offenses trips. Seventh best in the NFL. They also have two interceptions in the red zone. All right, good for so. them. Poor Lovey. Can't be too happy about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, let's do a quick around the division. I mean, the Packers and Bears are both on buys, yep. um, and the, the Vikings and Lions play each other. If you want a opportunity to laugh at the Vikings, the fact that they're underdogs in Detroit is pretty hilarious. Um, I was trying I to... I didn't see that. Yeah, they're two-and-a-half-point dogs at Detroit. Uh a little surprising. Detroit has been playing better. I was kind of doing a little bit of research into why that would be, and all of the advanced metrics actually say that Detroit's the better team. Oh, like Detroit's more efficient offensively. They're more efficient defensively. Um, the Vikings, as we just talked about, have found a way to win a lot of games, but just aren't a very impressive team when you look at the underlying numbers. And the Lions, I mean, their record isn't good, but if you take out the stretch where they had like all of their players injured they've, they've been playing pretty well and they've won i think three in a row now or no sorry they've won what? two of the last three three of the last four and the one loss was to the bills on thanksgiving where they played a, a close game so uh it, it's gonna be i mean i know a lot of vikings fans aren't very happy with that uh i understand why because they're 10 and 2 <laughs> but they are, they are underdogs to me that one just comes down to i mean I don't know how many more times I can hear, you are what your record says you are. Yeah, right. Uh, I think this is going to be a close one. These two teams always play each other close. I think the Vikings are going to win because the Vikings find a way to win all their games and the yeah. Lions always find a way to lose close games. Yeah. Uh, but that, know, I think that really is what it boils down to. It also wouldn't shock me if the Lions just like blow them out, though. So uh, the metrics, uh, or, or pardon me, the uh, matchup predictor has Minnesota 55 uh, Detroit 45. Um, it's like you said, it's a two point spread for the for Detroit. Uh, interesting numbers. Minnesota, Kirk Cousins 290 of 449 for 2933 in yards, eight touch, 18 touchdowns, and nine picks. Jared Goff 263 of 405 for 3022 yards, 19 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. So, yes. Goff has passed for more yards, thrown more touchdowns, and less interceptions than Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe I that. I guess I have to take back my Jared Goff sucks. He's been good. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that, well, he's been good when he's... Kirk got, Cousins sucks. <laughs> Goff's been good when he's got his receivers, and the Lions do have a really good receiving core. They do. So, um, Amon, uh, Amon Ra... 76 receptions for 830 yards and six touchdowns. That's pretty solid. Well, and the thing is, like, the Vikings have, like, one of the worst defenses in the league. And the Lions can put up points. So the Lions have been playing well. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. Uh, it's just a matter of can Cousins kind of hold serve there and can the Vikings put up points against this Detroit defense. They should be able to. But, you know, the Vikings, they are, what, they're 10-2? and two? Yeah. And the, the rest of their schedule is still pretty light. So unless you think they're going to end the season, uh, if you, unless you think they're going to end the season 15-2, and two, they've got to lose one or two more. And, I mean, this is one of the last games that they could probably lose because they still have to play, like, the Colts, and I think they might have to play Houston still. So they got a pretty easy road to the finish line here, and um, we're going to see what happens in Detroit. It should be a close game. Yeah, I, I think that um, they'll probably, like you said, they'll probably win just based on they've been able to close games out, and Detroit just can't seem to do it. Um, also, Jefferson, Jefferson, Jefferson. Right. 
If you take Jefferson off that team, I think you got actually a pretty middle-of-the-road team. But you don't have to because he is there, and yeah. he's absolutely deadly. Uh, so uh, I think that will that will be the key. And, yeah, they'll probably come right down to the wire again and be able to pull it, pull it out. Um, I thought, uh, you know, early on in the season, I looked at their schedule and I saw 13 or 14 wins for the, for the Vikings. I still think that's the case. I think that they probably end up with the two seed in, in the, uh, in the NFC. I don't think that Philadelphia falls off enough to lose the one. Um, that would be huge if that happened, but, uh, I, I think they still, you know, uh, Minnesota ends up at least with one, uh, playoff game. Um, they they still might lose to Chicago though. That will be that will be a really interesting game to watch because they will. It looks like they could have the two seed clinched. If they have the two seed clinched, do you play your starters? No, I don't think so. It's not anymore when the two seed doesn't get a bye. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how both teams play that. That could be some like that could be the one game where I could maybe see like actually some like intentional tanking going on. Like, hey, Justin, I, I know you banged up your shoulder. Let's have a seat. <laughs> Chase Claypool, you, you gotta take some time to learn the playbook. And Nathan Peterman, you're in. Yeah, that's yeah. Anybody, right? I mean, just <laughs> we're gonna see how that plays out. I mean, you know, if the if the Vikings win this week and the Eagles lose another game, I mean, that game could still be meaningful because. There's not a lot of losses left on this Viking schedule unless they completely fall apart, which right. they could because they've gotten lucky. So, Okay, well, thanks again for listening, Bears fans. Uh, check us out on uh, Twitter and, uh, as we mentioned, the LRE's Bears page. Yeah, and enjoy the bye. It's been a long stretch of games for the Bears, uh, a lot of bad losses, a lot of just, you know, not really exciting. Other than the quarterback, not a lot to be excited about, so... Enjoy the bye. Take take a week off from watching the Bears. Enjoy the rest of the NFL or don't. Do whatever you want. But uh, we'll we'll talk to you next week. Bear down.